and welcome to another episode of the Highlander Cast. It's our first episode of 2021, um, and we're talking Kaldheim spoilers. So Kaldheim's a set which has a lot of playables, not a lot of cards in the, you know, Oko Uro range, <laughs> thank God. Um, although, you know, time may prove us wrong, but a lot of cards. So we're just going to kick straight into it. Uh, no, what's the point? Oh, I also should say, with me, I'm Vance, and with me as usual is Sav. Hello, everyone. Almost forgot that part of the uh, <laughs> process. I'm just like here talking to myself. There's a voice in the background. Who is it? Who knows? Could be anyone. We're just so excited for the cards. That's what it is. So we did cover a bunch of them in the episode which guest starred uh, Isaac. Yeah, in so, the last year. Yeah, if you think we've missed any, it's just because they're in that episode. Or, or we've just missed them. You know, either is possible. Um, so our first cap off the rank is Valky, God of Lies. Uh, so for a black and one, you get a two one. Uh, when Valky enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals their hand. For each opponent, exile a creature card they revealed this way until Valky leaves the battlefield, and then X choose a creature card exiled with Valky with converter mana cost X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. So that's not super exciting. But um, as mm. with a bunch of the cards on this list, this is a modal double faced card. Um, <laughs> Great name. Which means there's Sorry? Great name. So, yeah. so cumbersome. It MDFC. Rolls straight off the tongue, yeah. Not just um, a flip flip spell or something. I guess they're no longer flip lands. They're now planeswalkers and artifacts. Yeah, so this one uh, on the backside is Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter. So he's got a mana cost of five and a black and a red, although you're probably never going to play that for reasons we'll explain in a second. Um, as Tybalt enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with... You may play cards exiled with Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, and you may spend mana as though as matter of any color to cast these spells. So plus two, exile the top card of each player's library, minus three, exile target artifact or creature, minus eight, exile all cards from all graveyards, add three red. Starts with five loyalty. And the reason you're never gonna, well, you're gonna try and avoid playing that is the way Cascade works with these cards is you Cascade into Valky, and the game's like, cool, this costs less than the Cascade spell you cast. You're allowed to choose this as your Cascade, or you, this is your Cascade thing. What do you want to do? And you're like, I would like to cast the other side, please. And the game's like, that costs way more than you're supposed to be doing with this Cascade, but whatever, the rules work that way. Yep. Seems fun. Seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Well, so this this card's really interesting. If we look solely at the front side, you know, as you mentioned, it's, it's not, you know, amazing, but... If you were only playing it for that front side, you know, you didn't, you, you, you kind of had this random upside in the deck where you could just pay seven, you don't have any cascade, you just make this, you know, rather large planeswalker. Um, the front side is, uh, it's got two power for two, you know, so it, it does do a little bit of beating down, you know, as a yeah. goblin piker might. <laughs> not, not dramatic, but it's not just a two minor one one, which is what you tend to see with these effects. So they're, uh, do you know what's, I can't remember the name of that card. It's like a uh, two mana one one. Fiend, that's the one, Mesmeric Fiend. Yeah. yeah. So the, so that, that kind of effect, they tend to be one ones. Um, yep. The downside of this one is that you can only pick can creature cards. So it's a much worse against control, but the upside is, not irrelevant you can actually just cast a you know let's say lo lowest uh, worst case scenario you look at their hand they've got a mana dork in it in the mid-range matchup and you just pay one and you play this mana dork you know that's that's decent no so, so uh you're not playing it 
Valky's becoming a copy. Oh, it becomes a copy. Okay, take that back. Card's bad. <laughs> well, no, it, it's oh. actually still very good in some circumstances. So let's say mm. you're playing against Rug, and you play this on turn two, and they've got Uro in their hand. You take their Uro, so they yep, can't cast exile. it. exile. That's nice. And then on your turn three, you turn Valky into Uro and attack and get, you know, 100,000 triggers. Yep. Um, yep. And that's pretty good. Like, I think the front side is not amazing, but yeah, you're really playing it so that you can cascade into... Um, Wins the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are they because, doing the um, the reverse of the general Tybalt stance, which is that Tybalt is bad, and they went, okay, let's make one that's good. Yeah. Well, the War of the Spark one's okay. What's our next card, Sav? All right, next up, we have Bergy, God of Storytelling. Now, uh, Bergy's three mana, three, three, so it's two and a red. Whenever you cast a spell, add one red. Until the end of turn, you don't lose this as uh, this mana as steps and phases end. Okay, uh, creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what boast is, uh, essentially the creature has to attack for you to play the ability, and then it, they can do a variety of different things. They're not all the same type of uh, boast ability. Could be anything from a vampiric tutor to you know making a token. Well, although I think for Highlander purposes, boast is mostly flavor text. Yeah, um. yeah. This card is going to be played as it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the other side of Bergy is uh, Hanfell Horn of Bounty. This is a five mana uh, artif- legendary artifact, four and a red. The ability is discard a card, colon, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. All right. There's so much to talk about with this card. Uh, what what draws you to it first? It's really versatile. So mm-hmm. I think this has potential in a number of different decks in a number of different archetypes. So talk about the front half first because the Bergy half is much simpler. Um, she's decent to good. Like a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three is nothing super exciting in Highlander these days, but you're going to get some bonus mana out of her periodically. Um, mm-hmm. So you'll be able to you know, accelerate you slightly. In some decks, you might be excited about the front half because you're playing a bunch of like bouncing artifacts and recasting them and blah, blah, blah to generate Storm or whatever. Yep. Um, or, or you're playing something like, um, someone was talking about this, uh, Loki I think was talking about this in the Discord, uh, uh, Grinning Ignis. And this generates enough mana to just play that as often as you want and then Storm off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the front half is already close to playable in a bunch of decks. The back half is... Very good in a lot of decks and completely busted in some others. So we'll talk about the good part first. So in something like um, Big Red or Mm -hmm. uh, Red Green Midrange, where you're okay with playing the front half, but you'd rather play the back half because the back half just means in a late game you can go, cool, I've got three lands in hand. I'm going to turn one of them into two spells this turn, and then I'll do it again next turn, and then I'll do them again next turn, and Mm -hmm. that's great. Like you're just turning lands into two other cards, and that's fantastic. Yep. Where it's really probably ridiculous is in specifically the deck Channel. So in Channel, mm. um, you've cast Channel, you pay one red and, ca- and four life and cast this, then you play with Lich's Mirror and start again, so you've got 20 life and seven cards. You exile those seven cards and look at the next 14. Oh, sorry, you discard? No, exile. Oh, yeah, sorry, you discard those seven cards and look at the next 14. They stay exiled for the whole turn. You can cast them in the same way that you could cast anything else. Um, So 
you've got 21 look without anything else going on you've got 21 looks to find lich's mirror again if you find <laughs> it again you cast it and go again and it's even better because now your deck doesn't contain those 14 cards so your odds of finding lich's mirror again have gone up significantly and it's very easy to get to a point where your deck is like 12 cards and you're just looping hard um yeah it's I- ridiculous in that kind of deck you can get it working i think I was just thinking, you know, when as soon as I saw it, I I was just going, well, any any storm deck, but you know, traditionally storm like JP storm, that type of uh, type of deck will just play either half of this according to the situation. You know, it's yeah. uh, it yeah, doesn't it's even have to be as ab- absolutely busted as it is in channel. In storm, you just go, okay, well, if I have enough cards. I'm going to play this as a down payment and then I'm going to reap the rewards of every spell giving me mana. Uh, if it's the, you know, that that kind of looks very, very similar to, uh, you know, the cost reducers. You know, if you want to yeah, reduce the cost of your spell by one color, it's colorless, kind, of like an kind of like that. One of the mm. Horn of Greed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got the other <coughs> end, which is if you uh, don't have enough cards, don't have enough critical mass. And you just go, okay, well, all I have is this uh, Bergy and a Seething Song. So this turn I'll play Seething Song and the Horn. And then next turn, you know, I'll exile one of my lands in hand and I'll flip two cards. And I already, you know, had a, I drew a preordain for that turn. And, and you can probably go off yeah. from there. You yeah. know, it's yeah. just, it's quite impressive. Um, And the other thing in Storm is because for the Hanfell, which is the, second side um Mm -hmm. you're discarding cards to look at new cards Mm. so if you've got a yogmas will or a past in flames or an underworld breach then that's great because you can just be like well i'll just put these in the bin to dig to my yogmas will and then cast them all (laughs) yep so yeah yeah agreed all right so our next one is doomscar uh, so three mm-hmm. white white destroy all creatures. Uh, not very exciting though, so far, <clears throat> but it's got a new mechanic on it. So the mechanic is called Fortell, and what Fortell does is during your turn you can pay two mana and exile this from your hand face down. So it's kind of like a spell morph, which can be a creature yep. as well. But like, uh, and then on a later turn, so not the same turn, you're not allowed to recast on the, that card on the same turn. You can cast it for its Fortell cost, and its Fortell cost is usually two mana less than its cost uh, in in most cases. So you're splitting the cost over a couple of turns, but you're saying, yeah, you're you're putting it away for later. And its foretell cost is, uh, so two white and one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so this this card, uh, I think it's subtly very good. Uh, If you you look at it, you kind of think, okay, five mana or five mana that I can split over two turns. Yeah, that's not that exciting. You know, that's that's kind of the immediate uh, reaction. And and likewise, with um, in terms of when you time a Wrath, uh, foretelling on turn two and then Wrathing on turn three, uh, it's, it, it's not as exciting when you go, well, my opponent knows, just hypothetically, my opponent knows that I'm going to be Wrathing on turn three, so they don't use their turn three to tap out for any creatures, and you only actually get rid of their turn two creatures. But the key here is that um, there's a lot of mind games you can play with yeah. with Fortel, and 
if you if you foretell this on turn two and your opponent goes, aha, you're not going to get me. I know that you've got double white in your mana base down there. I'm pretty sure you're probably going to be wrathing me, so I won't deploy my creatures. And then they go... Uh, uh, you go, okay, well, I wasn't going to cast it this turn. <laughs> I was going to play a Planeswalker, and because you can't you can't uh, pressure my Planeswalker because you didn't use this turn to tap out the creatures, I have got some kind of pseudo-advantage. And it, it, I think it actually really has a clever effect on the game, as well as the fact that there may well be a, another foretell card that you play in your deck, and this can be confused with it, you know, a draw spell, that kind of thing. Um, but even yeah. by itself, just the base level, I think, is uh, deceptively good. Yeah, look, and I think that's the key is that, A, if, as, as, an, as the aggro player, I know that if I don't play into it, you'll just hold off until I do play into it. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll just use your one-for-one -one removal to, you know, make me eventually deploy some more threats to the board and you can exactly. go, exactly yeah, got them. Um, but B... I don't even know if it's this card. Like, there are hmm. a number of foretell cards in the set which I think are, at the very least, good enough for testing. Um, a couple of them I think are good enough to play and some of them are in the rest of this list. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you can just go turn two, foretell a card, and they're like, oh, cool, I'll just only play one extra creature. And you're like, well, I don't have a wrath anyway. I'm just going to, yeah, you know, draw two, scry two, or whatever it is. Um <laughs> <laughs> so. Yep, seems good. All right, well, let's move on to the next card. Uh, so this skip the is next one. Uh, okay. Next up, we have Starnheim Unleashed. Yep. All right. I actually haven't seen this card yet, so this is going to be interesting uh, for me. I'll get you to tell yep. me about it. So um, the card is a sorcery. It's four mana, two white, white. Create a four-four white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. Ooh, nice. Sarah Angel for four. If this yep. spell was foretold, though, create X of those tokens instead. Now, foretell is, as you said, uh, exile it for two mana, but then you can foretell this for X, X, white. So let's just see. That would be X is one. It means... Foretell it for three mana, you get one angel. Foretell it for five mana, you get two angels um, with a bit of a down payment the previous turn or, or, or earlier. Yeah. Okay. Right, right. So this is one of those spells that I think you can bluff as a wrath in the early game. Mm, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly paired with the previous Doom uh, Scar, is it? Yeah, Doom yep. Scar. Um, it's... It's not horrible at its base cost, right? Like, it, mm -hmm. it's below the curve, but it's not horrible to get a 4-4 flyer. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little bit like um, the Miracle Beam of Angels. Yeah, yeah, um, treat. Yeah, yeah, it's just you're doing it earlier, and it's not quite as efficient when you, when you get to do it, but it's still pretty good. Um, so I think it's probably a pretty good uh, sort of control finisher uh, the other mm. advantage that these cards have is if this is you know your your finisher and your opponent's playing discard spells you can just you know tuck it away where they can't get it um yeah preemptively just pop it over there in exile yeah the i think that um this th one of one of the little subtle benefits is although we look at it going okay four mana sarah angel 
uh, well, Sarah Angel's outdated. Uh, control will probably play anything as a finisher. It doesn't really care. It just kind yeah. of wants to control the game, then finish, uh, uh, close the game. Um, the a subtle benefit is that it is a four mana Sarah Angel that is a sorcery. So you can uh, Mystic Sanctuary it back on top of your deck and yeah, you play it again. It. You can snap it back out yeah. again. Like there's there's you know marginal benefits. These are the kind of benefits you notice in cards like um, Fractured Identity, where you yeah. kind of go, look, I've got a finisher. My finisher is a five mana finisher like a Titania, um, but mine happens to be a sorcery, so I can recur it in a variety of different ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to be underestimated there. So all right, our next, next one. Um... Not a super exciting one, but you know, interesting. So it's called hmm. Battle Mammoth. It's a five mana three, uh, five mana six five. So it's three green green for uh, an elephant with trample. And whenever a permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability, an opponent controls, you may draw a card. So half of Leovold's text. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also got foretell. So um, two to put it away, and then two green green to get it back. So this is basically uh, Le- Leovold riding an elephant, right? So, yeah, I assume Leovold's riding an elephant. While he's riding an yeah. elephant, he's not as good at stopping you drawing cards. Yeah, he's very distracted, but yeah. he gets uh, you know plus three, plus two, or something in the process yeah. of trample. Um, I think it's <laughs> I think it's a you know totally respectable card. Um, it's one of those cards that you know it looks like it just goes into a. Um, you know, a mid-range deck. You go, okay, here's a five yeah. uh, in my mid-range deck. But with mid-range, you know, you're you're often just uh, you have this glut of amazing five drops. This one happens to come down on turn four, which is uh, something that you know cannot be uh, understated. But generally, mid-range decks are pretty efficient with their mana, and this is probably not in that realm. However, I could very well see it in a control deck because yeah. control decks are. The kind of uh, deck that you don't, you want your threat to always replace itself. You know, you don't want to be losing advantage when you tap out and play this Sarah Angel, and then they kill the Sarah Angel. You just one for one. Yeah. Um, this instead, you go, okay, I play this. Yep, just like Leovold, they kill it. Sure, that's fine. Well, I've drawn a card, and I'm still going to continue to kind of snowball my advantage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I could see it slotting somewhere in there. Five is five is a lot, but Fortel does help. Five out is a lot. lot. Uh, and mm. as you said, the five drop slot in a lot of these decks is there's a lot of options. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's up this, next? This uh, next card is definitely cheaper. It's three mana. This is Resplendent Marshal. So one white white for a three three flying. How often in Magic is it that we're just now always getting you know power and toughness equal to mana cost? That's just something yep. that was not heard of in the Grey Ogre days, and now it's just that's the default. <laughs> Everything else is upside. Three mana, three three. What else do I get? So we've got um, flying. And when Resplendent Marshal enters the battlefield or dies, you may exile another creature card from your graveyard. When you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control other than Resplendent Marshal that shares a creature type with the exiled card. Yeah. Ah, Angel Tribal? Warrior Tribal? Warrior Tribal, there it is. Um, I mean, there are a lot of angels in this set, and I think some of them are quite good, but yeah, if you... I've played out a couple of warriors. One of them's died. You play this on turn three, exile it because you don't care about it anymore. Um, all your creatures get bigger and smash. Then mm-hmm. at some point later, they kill it. You exile another warrior. Any of your remaining warriors get bigger again. Um, <clears throat> it's just a good little anthem for... Uh, I think warriors, again, is the best choice, but for mm-hmm. various white uh, base aggressive decks. 
So yeah, and the and the enters the battlefield or dies is pretty impressive, yeah. right? Usually you only get one of those two, and getting both together makes it the card they just can't target. They can't. Oh, I want to bolt that, but then they do, and it gives the rest of the team maybe you know two more power overall, which is enough to kind of you know really really pressure your life total. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ascendant Spirit. That's uh, fine. Uh, it costs one blue, and it's a snow creature spirit. There's a bunch of snow cards in this set, uh, which I hate, but that's life. Um, and it's a 1-1. One, one. Uh, but for two snow mana, it becomes a spirit warrior and is a 2-3. And then for three snow mana, if it's a warrior, put a flying counter on it, and it becomes a spirit warrior angel and is a 4-4. Four, four. And then for four snow mana, if it's an angel... Put two plus one plus one counters on it, and it gains when this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Yep. So I really like this card, and there's, you know, the, the immediate thing that you look at, you go, okay, this is Figure of Destiny, right? So that's yep. kind of Snow Figure of Destiny. Now, um, when, when you look at that, you kind of go, well, you know... Nowadays, people just aren't playing Figure of Destiny. You know, when you when you compare it to yeah, when you compare it to the past, it was just everywhere, and then it kind of dropped off. And you know, as you said, Figure of Destiny is yeah, it's a legitimate card. You should probably be you know chucking this in and and noticing that it's yeah, it, it threatens a lot. You know, it goes you got to bolt this, otherwise things get worse. When you when you look at it as a blue card, you kind of go, okay, how about I compare it to Delver of Secrets? You know, one mana, one one that can become better later. But Delver involves no mana investment with a bit of deck building cost. This one involves a mana investment, so the, it, it keeps comparing unfavorably to cards. Especially, um, you know, figure can be leveled up straight away into a two two uh, with a single mana. Um, also compared to uh, Hex Drinker, it's just you just look at them on the face value and a hex drink is just amazing because by itself it's a two one so it already starts beating down and it's that threat of activation now the reason why i say this card is actually deceptively good um is if you uh, the it was it was pretty much the card that kind of jumped out at me uh when i was looking for more snow permanent uh permanence to return from the graveyard with a card we're going to talk about later and this card came out and I went oh ex excellent a one drop that will die pretty consistently and I'll be able to replay it for my graveyard um, the next aspect is it taps uh, you tap snow mana to activate it and uh, this is something that is uh, you know rather important to note um, if you look at say rug lord or you know any of the any of the um, big tempo style decks they're pretty much always on seven to eight basic lands and you aggressively fetch them quite a lot because you're often going to try and blood moon your opponent uh, you know or back to basics them for the for the bug version Um so your snow mana, you usually have uh, three or more snow lands out because you're also, you know, capitalizing on a coaddle. You also have a um, uh, an astrolabe in the deck. Uh, the snow mana is actually trivial for decks like that. Whereas normally you look at it, yeah, oh, how am I going to do? Am I going to play those tapped snow lands? You know that that kind of thing. Um, so the other thing that uh, makes it 
you know, better than you think it is, is the fact that all of these abilities can be activated at instant speed. And that's something that Figure of Destiny did. And people kind of underestimate it. They look at they look at the figure and they go, oh, yeah, it, it could get bigger. And it's the threat of activation, not the actual activation itself, right? So you, you're holding up mana and they go, well, do I do this? Don't I do this? And then in the end you go, oh, well, actually, end of turn, I was just going to Lightning Helix you or something. So... Um, yeah, that's right. This... So they're, they're put in a position where you've already made it a 2-3 and they want to bolt it, but you've got three mana on tap and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. just make it a 4-4. Four, four. Yep, yep, exactly. And how often do you just play your Hex Drinker and you go, I have to actively choose between holding up Mana Leak or leveling Hex Drinker and you make the wrong decision and you get massively punished. Yeah. The instant speed activation is one that you know you cannot overlook it. Uh, I I do actively think that this is a card I'm going to be building uh, with in a lot of my decks. Um, yep. It you know talk to me in a in a couple of weeks. It might end up just getting cut, you know, because it's not quite good enough. But I think it's something to keep on the radar. Yeah. So the other thing to note is that Figure of Destiny's get huge level is. Six mana, and this is four. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but four is a lot less than six. Um, <laughs> yep. It's, it's, and also it's you can activate... more expensive early, but cheaper late, right? Yeah. As opposed to figure. And also you can activate it more than once. So if it's already maximum size, you can just do it again, and it gets another plus two plus two. And then when you hit a player with it, you draw two cards, but also they're probably dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. The game snowballed pretty far out of control. And, and also on the middle <laughs> level, it's already got flying. Um, Mm, so that's huge figure and hex drinker and etc are still extremely blockable on their middle level um Mm -hmm. whereas this isn't very blockable um and the thing i hate about this is it should be a white card there's no reason for this oh yeah it does you're so right (laughs) Um, Uh, it's like they got the art and they just and they were like, oh, we're going to make this green-blue uh, creature. And then they went, uh, no, let's just make it blue. Not even, not even <laughs> looking yeah. at the art. No, we'll just make this blue. It looks like it could be, yeah, white um, or green. It should just be white because uh, it's an ability that should be in white and white already keeps getting screwed out of things. Um, <laughs> like, it's not a big thing, but I hate the card in this set, which is um, Afterlife with Fortel. But it's blue for some reason instead of white. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it also exiles artifacts, which white should be better at than blue. But anyway. That's that's reasonable. Yep. Uh, so next up, we have Tybalt's Trickery. Now, yep. this is a really interesting card. Uh, I'm going to read it, and you're going to tell me all the weird stuff that it does, right? <laughs> um, so Tybalt's Trickery is a two-minor instant. It's one and a red. Counter target spell. That's That should be, you know, a pretty straightforward thing. The rest is hard now. Choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card with a different name than the spell it casts. Okay, that's trivial for Highlander. Um, Then uh, they, they may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then they put the exiled cards on the bottom of their library in random order. So shorthand is counter the spell, random... Choose a random number between one and three, and you kind of warp world that spell. You've, yeah, you've warp changed world that or spell into it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. hmm. they, they do get to cast it. Yeah, and um, they can choose not to cast it if they don't want to for whatever. No, reason no, but it's be. important that they get to cast it because it, if it's you know like 
Emrakul. Mm-hmm. Um, having the extra tone is important. This card is real weird, and I have no idea if it's good. Um, it's apparently... <laughs> uh, there was a, some tweets from Frank Carsten the other day about a modern deck playing this and Emrakul that he reckons is like 90% Emrakul turn three. Um, now, it, it so it... it so, so you can get Emrakul. You can get Emrakul. Yes. Okay. So I think you're going to counter your own spell as often as right. Like, got it. Got it. Okay. The, the decks that are going to play this uh, are going to want to have some way to you know just be like, uh, end of your turn, brainstorm. No, whoops, giant fatty. Um, yeah. So I actually which is I, why I you misread it. Top one, two, or three at random. Yeah, I was thinking about the one, two, or three, and I thought that that was also the converted mana cost. You know how they like to kind of yeah, you know, no, go across no, the no. board, and they're like, no. mill three, choose a spell with converted mana cost three, you know, like that that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, no. It is any mana cost. It casts literally anything. Um, but <laughs> I do think this is also better than some people are giving it credit for at just countering your opponent's spells, because, hmm. I mean, obviously you can't cast this at a random card they have, because that could be disastrous. But yep. if they're playing, like, a Titania, they probably don't have that many spells in their deck that cost more than it. So turning one of the top five cards in their deck into not one of the top five cards in their deck is a pretty mm-hmm. good deal. Um, yeah, so the, the choose one, two, or three at random, the reason it's at random is so that you can't set up the top of your library very easily. Right, um, right. You know, now it's uh, Index's time to shine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Oh, that's great. um, Yeah, that one's probably not good enough. Uh, Skip Ridane. Yeah, there's definitely a few cards here that we go, "Mm, this is close. So do do look at the spoiler. Any of the ones that we skip over are just kind of cards that you go, that's cool, but it's probably not going to see any play. Or, or there might be cards we do in the second half of this because we're kind of time limited right now and so we're just trying to, you know, make sure we hit the real hits or the real mm-hmm. weird stuff. Yeah, there's here's, a few, few here's nice Here's some weird hitters. stuff. Cosima, God of the Voyage. Nice. So two and a blue for a 2-4. It's got a back half. We'll talk about that in some minutes. Um, <laughs> at the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Cosima. Okay. If you do, it gains whenever a land ends the battlefield under your control... If Cosima is exiled, you can put a Voyage counter on Cosima. If you mm-hmm. don't, return Cosima to the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it and draw X cards where X is the number of Voyage counters on it. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the back later. What do you think about the front okay. half? <laughs> so the, the front half is... Um, I think it's one of these cards that is a really nice build around. Like, uh, so Drew Carter was talking about in any kind of deck with balance, um, you know, any kind of miracles style deck where you go, well, I don't want creatures in my deck. You know, there's, there's cards like Jace Friends Prodigy where you go, this is one of the few creatures I have because I need it to flip and then I cast balance. And guess what? Balance doesn't impact the Planeswalkers. So you just kind of want to have zero creatures so that you can always wrath your opponent's board. Um, and this kind of fills that role where you go, you know, I, I want to have some kind of card drawing engine. I want to occasionally have a creature that can block because it's got four toughness, um, and, you know, stymie my opponent's beat down. And, 
I occasionally want to not have that. <laughs> I just not be in play. So this actually does all of those things. So it's really kind of um, unique. It's got this really bizarre, bizarre, you know, um, uh, ability. And as as a note, when it, it's voyage counters, do they stay on it as it changes no. zones? No. Yeah. So you have to basically exile it and go, all right, I'm going to build up some voyage counters and draw a bunch of cards, or I'm going to exile it and then bring it straight back again the next turn, or I'm going to do some kind of weird, you know, on and off again type turn. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The plus one, plus one counters don't stick around either mm-hmm. when it changes zones. So the back half, because it's a god and all the gods have back halves, is a one and a blue for a three, three vehicle with crew one. Uh, and whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles that many cards from the top of their library. You may play lands from among those cards for as long as they are revealed, uh, as long as they remain exiled. Um, yeah, 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 I, I, I think it's um, when when you look at it, it doesn't look good, but I think it's kind of exactly what a control deck wants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, really, a front uh, a crew one two mana three three vehicle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the downside is pretty low. Like, this is not as good as Smuggler's Copter, but not as good as Smuggler's mm-hmm. Copter leaves a lot of room to be pretty good. Yep. Um, there's another card in the set that I'm going to mention briefly that I hate um, called Funeral Barge, uh, I think, which is... It's basically the same. So it's a two-mana... Um, vehicle, it's a 3-3, three, three, it's Crew 1... Um, and it's got Vigilance, but why is it, if, like, who is crewing this funeral barge who's alive? The whole point of the Vikings <laughs> was that they put the body on the funeral barge and they push it out to sea and set fire to it. Like, it's definitely a flavor know, fail. <laughs> it should be crewed by creatures in your graveyard or by exiling creatures from your graveyard or, like, something. Anyway. That would be a flavor win, that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, may, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard to pay this crew cost. <laughs> yeah. Um, next. Yeah, up, I think I think this. Yeah, it's a flexible card, and I think it'll pop up here and there. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'll read this one because I know Sav is going to talk about it. Oh, next I'm so up keen is on this Jorn, card. God of Winter, two and a green for a three-three. Whenever Jorn attacks, untap each snow permanent you control. Okay. Mm. Uh, and then one, a blue and a black on the backside for a legendary snow artifact. Caldring the Rhyme Staff, which is a cool name. Uh, mm. Tap, you may play target snow permanent from your graveyard this turn. If you do, it ETB's tapped. Yeah, this card is so good. <laughs> it is exactly what I want to do. And I'm not saying it's so good as in this will see play in literally every deck like an Oko. This is a card that I just immediately want to build around because the build around cost is so incredibly low. You know, like you normally want to, you know, this is, this is one of these, these uh, characteristics of the South Australia metagame where um, if you look at say the Canberra metagame, there'll be a build around card. And then there's this 
cool synergistic deck that just you know piles on all these interactions and then just goes off and you know it's just like this wonder to behold um or it runs into like a piece of interaction and then falls flat because you just <laughs> can't can't do the thing right and then the essay metagame is the diametric opposite where it's like uh, everyone just wants to be consistent mid-range and if they have any kind of build around the build around is like this tiny little synergy where you're like well i'm already playing good cards anyway so the payoff is really really uh you know just slightly above average yeah. but the downside is just slightly below average. So like here, the the downside is I'm playing a three mana three, three, right? That's just like the downside. Yeah. And that's when in your uh, bug, uh, you know, big tempo style deck, uh, you drew your uh, bug dual lands and you played out a three, three, and you have no snow permanence and you go, well, yeah, that's a downside. It's still a three, three. Like we were saying before, yeah. it's just a three mana three, three. It's a threat. I'll spell pierce, you know, their removal spell and then turn this thing sideways. Now, the upside of it is the fact that, as I was saying before, you're playing seven to eight basics. So uh, all of your, all of your, you know, uh, the majority of your lands are going to be untapping because you're aggressively fetching your basic lands so you can play back to basics in the board. Um, so if you're playing this and then from the following turn, um, because Yawn is out, you're going to be essentially being able to tap out and play a Tarmogoyf and then yep. untap those two lands. Yep. That is so good. Uh, you know, Sword of Feast and Famine is a great card that just doesn't see uh, as much, if any, play because it's often tricky to connect and it's often involving investing five mana to actually do the thing. Yep. Um, this is on the on attack, which is great. And, um, you know, it, it also untaps Snow Permanence. I'm just talking lands here, but it also untaps the creature we just talked about before, the um, figure of yep. destiny. And uh, it untaps itself because Yawn's a snow creature. So Boreal fantastic! Druid, like there's a, a whole pile of Bo yeah, there. exactly right. And now the other side, um, if you play Cauldron, this um, this is just the perfect synergy between the um, Snow Figure of Destiny and um, a upside back half of a god. Yeah. You go, oh, this happens to be the game where they killed my killed my creature. It's in the graveyard. Okay, well, on turn four, I just play Cauldring, activate it, and I'll play the figure again. And then they go, okay, well, I have to kill Cauldring, but now I've got the figure out. Just maximum value. Or, or you've had a, you're having a mid-range game, and it's like turn 10, and you don't need to be generating extra mana. That's not as important. But you've got like three or four lands and a couple of creatures in the bin, and you're just like, cool, card advantage. Yep. Yeah, yep. so I'm read, keen on that card. Do you want to read Magda? Um, uh, I think Magda, we actually talked about that one in the previous episode. Oh, we did too. Yeah, well, yeah. Magda's so still cool. Go, right, go visit that one. Glory? <laughs> yeah, Search for Glory. This is a snow sorcery. There are a few of these snow spells that yeah. have uh, popped up. Now, snow sorcery, white and two colorless. So three mana to search your library for a snow permanent card, a legendary card, or a saga card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. You then gain one life for each snow mana spent to cast a spell, which, look, if yeah. we're looking at three mana, gain three life, because you've built your deck accordingly, and put a questing beast into your hand, yeah, that's that's like that's playable, right? 
I mean, yeah, I, I think there's. I don't think this is amazing, but I think there's a number of mm. decks where even if you're not playing any snow permanents of any kind, um, although you'd probably play Snowland with this just because why not? You can search for legendary creatures, so a deck like We Might Be Heroes might be interested in something like this. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of any sagas getting a lot of play in Highlander, but there's a lot of sagas now, so it's just one of those sort of semi-flexible. So that's where we're going to have to pause this episode. Uh, if things go well, then maybe you won't hear this, or maybe immediately afterwards, Sav and I will be talking about stuff again. Um, or there'll be an episode I do with someone else next week, because Sav is away. Um, but yeah, we've just been a tiny bit time crunched this week, so I uh, hope you've enjoyed this sampler. Thanks for being along, mm. Sav. Definitely nice to whet the appetite on some of these <laughs> sweet snow synergies and yep. gods. Enjoy brewing. Yep. Bye. Uh, and welcome back after no break for yourselves, but uh, quite a bit of a break for me. So Sav is no longer with us, uh, but with me instead, I have Jimbo. Hi, how are you going? Um, so we're just going to crack on with some more of the spoiler, and hopefully this will come out as a vaguely coherent episode. Who knows? Let's find <laughs> out. Um, so our next card I wanted to talk about is Burning Rune Demon. Um so this is four black black, so six mana, for a six six flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for exactly two cards not named Burning Rune Demon. Well, that's, yeah, so just two cards uh, that have different names. If you do reveal those cards, an opponent chooses one of them, put the chosen card into your hand and the other into your graveyard, and then shuffle. Yeah, I think this is a cool card for Reanimator. It's not big and flashy. Uh, but you know, it's going to, you can go and get either two more reanimation effects or two more creatures if that's what you need. The fact that one's guaranteed to go to your graveyard and one to your hand means that, you know, if you're already holding a a reanimate effect, you can go get two big creatures and you're not going to be stuck with one of them in your hand. Yeah. Look, it's kind of like, um, intuition stapled to a six, six, which is not something Mm. that most decks want. Um, but yeah, in something like reanimator, you're right. It does. It fuels the next reanimation pretty nicely. Yeah, it, it's nothing incredible. It's not uh, format defining, but it's uh, it might be a cool piece that gets picked up. I think. Yeah. Cool. So what's our next one? I think it's Redain. Uh, Redain, God of the Worthy. So two and a white. It's a uh, legendary creature god. It's a two three. Flying Vigilance, Snowlands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped, and non-creature spells your opponent's cast with converted mana cost 4 or greater, cost 2 more to cast. But that's not all. Uh, it's a double-faced card. The backside is a legendary artifact, 3 and a white. Uh, if a source an opponent controls will deal damage to you or a permanent you control, you prevent one of that damage. And whenever you or another permanent you control become the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you counter it unless they pay 1. Uh, it's a lot of little effects here. It's doing a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. So, Redain is the god of, you know, small grudges, I guess, because there's just lots <laughs> of little hate pieces here. Um, exactly right. There's a lot of these... They're all okay. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them super exciting uh, on a three-mana hate piece because it's competing with some fairly extremely hateful things at that there point. is a lot of three mana white creatures as well as if you dare branch out into other colors <laughs> uh yeah. the comparison i'm thinking of is uh what's the 
there's a land protecting legendary creature of some sort. I think it actually costs two. But... It does cost two. That's um. Mm. Uh, Archon of Emeria is another one that it competes with. Uh, I think the Snowlands entering tapped is relatively blank in this format. There's not people well, playing a lot of Snowlands at the moment. The, uh, the there are a, a number of people. I think a lot of the Adelaide crew in their three and four color decks are pretty high on um, that stupid one mana artifact that Arkham's Astrolabe. Arkham's Astrolabe that should never have been printed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that does happen, and I think there are sure. some people who, who they're just playing Snowlands in their decks because they're pretty close to strictly upside like there's sure. not a lot of ice quakes running around <laughs> that's fair that's fair look <laughs> i would all right it's not completely blank but it's certainly not uh the all-star ability on it no the no. the next ability on it taxing your opponent's non-creature spells that cost four or greater and taxing them by two yeah um, like it really makes delve spells a lot harder to cast you know <laughs> yeah, that's true. delve spells famously quite easy to cast um yeah. but a 10 mana dig through time and eight mana tassiga uh these are well not tassiga i guess yeah yeah <laughs> a 10 mana dig through time is a little bit harder to cast magmatic sinkhole for eight mana uh as well as just your even your non-delve spells your force of wills uh, yeah. Your fair four cost, your Jace the Mind Sculptor, and all of those yeah, friends. Yeah, right. oh, or, all of the fun cards. Or if your opponent wanted to cast a Volk Mirror Protector's Shield, the back half of Raydan, uh, that would cost two more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the back half has a, you know, a good piece of Storm Hate. Mm-hmm. Um, Very much so. Making all the stuff from... cost one more, preventing one damage from stuff is also good. So yeah, it does a lot of little things medium well. I like that the back half pr- protects you from Empty the Warrens as well as uh, uh, Tendrils. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I guess the biggest thing that Radon taxes now that I think about it is uh, four cost sweepers. Mm, yes. Supreme Verdict, uh, any that might have been printed in this set that have already been discussed. Uh, you know. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so so Doomscar, because when you foretell it, it's mm-hmm. it costs three, but it's still a five mana spell. It's still a five mana spell. That's right. Yeah, yeah interesting. Mm. So our next uh, card is Mystic Reflection. So this is one and a blue. Uh, it's got foretell for a blue, um, and it's an instant. So choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enters the battlefield this turn, they end. Enter as copies of the chosen creature. What the what is this? <laughs> this is a really weird counterspell esque card. If yeah. you've got a elf, a dryad arbor, uh, you know a, a Lanawar elf, a noble hierarch, and your opponent plays an uro, you can spend this card to say that's not an uro. That is a dryad arbor. Yep. Uh, that is uh, you know my walking ballista and it's going to enter with zero counters yep uh you need to have silly creatures sitting around in your own deck i think for this card to be worth it and you can also use it offensively as well right like if you've got a yeah crater hoof behemoth yeah absolutely uh, so it affects and, and you somehow put you know three tokens into play you can have them all be crater hoofs <laughs> well that's exactly it if, if creatures enter at the same time they all enter as copies so there's yeah. really obvious lines with things like uh, Terastodon 
So yep. you could play Terrastodon, trigger on the stack Oof. target your three lands, Reflection to get three more Terrastodons. <laughs> Uh, pretty nasty. do the same thing with any token generator really like a, a grave titan yep uh, plenty of options honestly yep interesting mm. next up we've got uh, speaking of uh, decks that want lots of little creatures around elvish warmaster it's uh, one and a green for a 2-2 two -two. It's an elf warrior. Whenever one or more other elves enters the battlefield under your control, you get a 1-1 one, one elf warrior token. It only triggers once per turn, so you can't go absolutely crazy with this. And it's got a 7-mana activated ability for 5GG. Uh, elves you control get plus 2, plus 2, and gain death touch until end of turn. Yeah, so I mean, I feel like that second ability is not going to come up a huge amount. Although if you've got a Gaia's Cradle out, you know, uh, go your hardest, basically. Elves is... It's just a solid little role player like you play it on two and then every turn you're going to get a free one one out of it mm -hmm. that's pretty decent elves is really close to playable uh some people are going to say that i'm wrong and it's completely playable as is uh <laughs> but you know it's at least in the discussion of decks that are playable uh there's people in melbourne that are playing it uh yep. who was it graham i think was fiddling with elves and this is just another tool you know those elves decks really want 30 cards that care about elves and then whatever yeah. else they can fit yeah and for for long time uh listeners slash highlander players when we say elves here we mean elves as in an elf tribal deck not mm -hmm. elves as in um the deck that won nationals three or four years ago which had a bunch of elves in it was but was mostly just a sort of natural order deck yeah, I, I see that in sort of the mana dorks plus good stuff pile. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, Bant yeah. and Jund and that sort of thing. But Tribal Elves is... Uh, it's fringe and it's getting closer. And, and th there are a number of other cards in this set that uh, I'd have a look at. We're not going to go through them all because uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but another one we are going to talk about is Blood Sky Berserker. So this is one in a black for a 1-1. One -one. Um, whenever you cast your second spell each turn, put two plus one plus one counters on Blood Sky Berserker. It gains menace until end of turn. That's quite aggressive if you can pull it off. Yeah, very. Um, like there's there's blue black tempo decks running around that may want to consider it, I suppose. Yep, um, and even in something like uh, red black aggro, if you sure. you know cast this turn two or turn one off a mox mm -hmm. and then on your next turn you go like bolt their creature out of the way play a zombie mm -hmm. you've got a three three and it's not hard to imagine it could be a five five the following turn if sure. it survives that long and um, every subsequent trigger is so much is so important because giving you know having a three three with menace is one thing a five five with menace is something else a seven yeah. seven with menace is going to kill somebody yeah um, and it can also trigger on both players' turns. Oh, cheeky. I like it. Um, you don't usually have enough instants in those sorts of decks for this to happen, but uh, it can happen. Mm. Particularly if you are, as you said, in, in the more sort of uh, blue-black delvery aggro. Like, yeah. Your plan is to spend a lot of time playing in the opponent's turn. Yeah, that's a, a neat little trick. I like it. Um, our next card is Behold the Multiverse, which... Uh, I just need to find because it's not. There you go. It's there for you. It is uh, four oh, okay. mana instant. Uh, it's uh, it's got foretell for one and a blue, so uh, two cheaper than the casting cost. Yeah. Uh, and it says scry two, draw two. Uh, oh. Glimmer and it's of instant. genius. 
Instant, that's right. Glimmer of Genius without the energy uh, with this Fortel ability. Yeah, so this one's probably a bit more fringe, I suspect, um, but there are people who occasionally play uh, some of the more expensive card drawing spells like um, Fact or Fiction Mystic. or Glimmer or whatever. Um, Mystic Confluence. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is... It's not that hard to have a turn where you can set this up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you've got it set up, you can just, at any point where you were, you know, keeping up a counter and you don't need it, mm-hmm. you scry two and draw two. And scry two, draw two is like, that's a Very lot of powerful. looks. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially so, at instant speed, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the other advantage is, of course, as uh, mentioned earlier in the podcast, when you foretell something, you can't cast it until you're ne- in, on the same turn, but you can cast mm-hmm. this as soon as your opponent's turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so this has synergies with things like uh, Balance, obviously. Uh, Mana Drain is going to be really big with these Fortel cards running around. Yep. Uh, you could see things like Windfall, perhaps, uh, if you're able to remove your own hand and then, uh, you know, behold, uh, you know, remove your own hand, Windfall back up to your opponent's hand size and then keep playing. Yeah. Uh, bit of a pipe dream for me, but, you know, the, these things are possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like blue-white cards and doing nothing, and Behold the Multiverse is really good at that. Well, speaking of blue-white cards, our next is uh, one of the Planeswalkers from the set. I think it's the most interesting Planeswalker for... I think it's the most interesting Planeswalker for uh, Seven Point Highlander, Uh, and it is Nico Aris. And Nico is uh, blue, blue, white, and X for a three-loyalty Planeswalker. Um... Now, when they enter the battlefield, create X shard tokens. And shards are just clues, except they're enchantments, and you also scry one as well as drawing a card. So that's pretty good. Clues are already pretty good in a lot of Mm mid-range matchups. But you can, importantly, just cast it for the blue, blue, and white, and you still get a three-loyalty planeswalker. Mm -hmm. So plus one, up to one target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. Whenever it deals damage this turn, return it to to its owner's hand. Minus one, it deals two to target tapped creature for each card you've drawn this turn, and mm-hmm. also minus one, create a shard token. Oh, I didn't actually know it had that third ability. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this so card got, They've got does, two ways of creating shards. This card does nothing. And, it, and I love it. <laughs> it comes in uh, it comes with a bunch of clues which is an incredibly slow sort of card advantage pile uh, it can make a guy unblockable and then get it back to your hand maybe if you've got an enter the battlefield ability something like a uh, snapcaster mage perhaps yeah. or an adventure card like a uh, brazen borrower you might want that back or, or something like um, what is it seagate stormcaller mm-hmm. yeah minus one two damage for each card you've drawn this turn look it's unlikely to kill something the turn you play it unless it's uh sort of you know uh a a mana elf or a a scavenging ooze that hasn't activated but then the next turn you can preordain and activate it uh and you're dealing four damage and that's going to kill a guy a flame slash is no small feat um or you know you can live the dream and cast brainstorm or just ancestral (laughs) i guess uh i'm sitting here looking at uh cards that trigger when enchantments enter and there's some spicy numbers in here Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Things like Oak... Uh, no, not Oak Heart Druids. What's the one? There's uh, there's a, a creature that when an enchantment enters, you draw a card and it gets plus one, plus one. 
Yeah, I know the creature, but I can't think of the name offhand. But Citizen there are... Champion. Yeah, and there's a bunch of um, enchantresses, which mm. I think trigger off enchantments entering rather than There's a couple cast. that trigger on enchantments entering and a couple that trigger when you cast them. So oh, there's yeah, ones that trigger why, when why would enchantment they want to be consistent? enters. If you're getting <laughs> three shards off this creature, that's uh, three enchantments. Plus you can activate it. Yeah. Sorry, off this planeswalker. Yeah. So they seem pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. it it's it's right up my alley. <laughs> Next up, we've got a saga, Furja's Retribution. I have no idea if Furja is the right way to pronounce that, or Furya. I think it's probably Furya. Hmm. So it's a saga for one white, white, black. Uh, so step one, create a 4-4 angel warrior token, flying vigilant. So create a Sarah angel. Uh, step two, until end of turn, angels you control gain tap, destroy target creature with power less than this creature's power. So all your angels can shove down smaller creatures. And step three, angels you control get double strike until end of turn. Yeah. Four mana for a Sarah angel is a good start. Yeah, there's a couple of cards in this um, set which are essentially four mana for a Sarah angel. And I don't know if that's great, but I think it's at least okay. Um... The second yeah. stage, you know, if you're playing this in some kind of cool angel tribal deck, uh, well, first, <laughs> congratulations, you're doing awesome things. Um, <laughs> but it's probably killing a bunch of your opponent's board. Um, Absolutely. And it's not fighting, so uh, mm-hmm. if you've got a five power angel, they don't get to, like, you get to just kill a questing beast rather than trading with it, because mm. the death touch doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and then step three, if you've got two angels in play, your opponent dies. Like, yeah. I mean, even just with the one that it makes, making it attack for eight that turn, is, yeah. that's a big chunk. Well, particularly because it's got flying and vigilance, so it's almost certainly attacked for four the previous yeah, turn. Yeah, definitely. Oh, the vigilance works really well with the step two. Yeah, it wow. does. Wow. Maybe you it could does. flicker this for some value. <laughs> that would Say be you great. go uh, cast it next turn, you put the trigger on the stack, you flicker it, you get a second angel, and then give them both the tap ability, although I guess one has something sickness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. our next card and we don't have a lot left I don't think is Vega the Watcher so it's mm-hmm. one a white and a blue for a 2-2 flyer uh, <laughs> <laughs> whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand draw a card so um, you flash back that Ancestral Recall with Snapcaster mm-hmm. draw a card mm-hmm. um, you know Cascade all... yeah Cascade draw a card go for it um, uh, God forbid Yogmoth's will <laughs> or Underworld Breach I guess is the uh, more commonplace one these days um, wow it's actually really good with all Underworld Breach and like zero cost artifacts yeah yeah so, so there's a number of ways where this is mm. um, a really cool card drawing engine it's a really fragile card drawing engine um, <laughs> so you've got to be careful with it but suspend and it's non-optional. Yeah, suspend is another. Um... Suspend and foretell, of course. I mean, foretell is the it, what it's made for. Yeah, yeah. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Okay. You're definitely right that it's fragile. Two-two, uh, a blue creature. Uh, it's definitely open to removal, definitely. But if you can make it work, you're going to be drawing a lot of cards. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So. Our next one is another one for the elves players out there. So it's mm-hmm. Harold, King of Skimfar. Note that it's Harold, not Herald, which I've seen endless people um, <laughs> get it wrong. As Harold, 
I mean, I think there were some, probably some, Harold probably is a name that uh, would have existed in Norse times, although maybe not from the Norse, but it doesn't feel very uh, epic. Anyway, that's not... The first king of Norway was named Harold. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so Harold is a legendary elf warrior. Uh, so for one, a black and a green, you get a 3-2 with menace. And Good start. When Harold enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an elf, warrior, or Tyvar, who's the green planeswalker in the set, card from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Okay. So Tyvar being the uh, elf synergy planeswalker, right? Yeah, Tyvar being elf synergy planeswalker. Sure. And Which we should probably just do the text of at some point, because um, I don't think <laughs> we did in the other half. Um, uh, okay. So it's going to come down, it's going to reliably draw a card, you know, an elf, a warrior, or a Tyvar. Yeah. And it's a reasonably sized body. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's it's aggressive. Yep. Gives you a good return on your investment. Um, Tyvar, which we'll only cover quickly, is two green and two for a three loyalty planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Um, as a static, elves you control have tap at a black. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of your elves are going to tap for mana anyway, but, you know, that's a nice bonus. Um, plus one. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target elf. Untap it. It gains death, death touch until end of turn. Zero. Create a one, one green elf warrior creature token. And minus six. You gain an emblem with whenever you cast an elf, it gains haste and you draw two. That emblem is... Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, it's... um. All right, a so lot better than glimpse of nature. Tyvar protects himself very well, uh, both by either making a token to jump block or untapping an elf and giving a death touch to yep. uh, sort of trade up. Uh, if you untap with it, all of your elves are going to tap for mana. Although most of them typically do, as you said. Yeah. Uh, but the death touch is a really nice way to protect itself. I like it. It only gives death touch until end of turn, so it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, of most course. of your elves already tap for mana, but you've got things like the Elvish War, whatever it was that we talked about before, which mm-hmm. is going to spit out tokens. It means Harold taps yeah, for mana. Yeah, Elvish Warmaster, yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. if you've got elf tokens that don't tap for mana, this is going to help them do that. Uh, it also, you know, it could untap something like a Priest of Titania, which can then tap to yep. add more mana again. Yep, yep, that's right. So lots of tiny little tricks that elf players are very familiar with, and it's just another tool. Yeah. I think both of those are quite welcome tools. Yeah, what's our next one? Cole the Forge Master is a uh, legendary dwarf warrior, red-white for a 2-2. Uh, whenever another non-token creature you control dies, if it was enchanted or equipped, return it to its owner's hand. And your creature tokens you control that are enchanted or equipped get plus one, plus one. So really wants to be in with auras and equipments. Uh, if they're tokens, they get bigger. If they're non-token, they're coming back to your hand when they die. Yeah. So Cole's biggest drawback is that uh, it's probably just going to die immediately. Um, but the reason it's going to die immediately is because while it's in play, it's not that easy for your opponent to deal with your other better creatures. Um, mm-hmm. So if you've got <clears throat> you know, a jit or a skull clamp or a sword, the creature it's on can't die. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got a rancor, uh, that's also quite good because whatever you've got the rancor on is coming back to your hand um, and the rancor is coming back with it. So 
Okay, so I've uh, assembled a combo in my head here. We've got Cole the Forge Master. Yep. We've got Pure Steel Paladin. The equipment you control have equipped zero if you have three or more artifacts. Yep. And we've got Mortarpod, which gives the equipped creature, sacrifice this creature, deal one damage to target creature or player. Yep. yep if you have a uh, zero-cost artifact creature, a Memnite perhaps, you can cast it, equip it to Mortarpod, sack it for one, it returns to your hand. Uh, repeat. Yep. Huzzah. Yep. And, and there's... Uh, I haven't looked into them, but there's probably similar things you can do with uh, Rancor and mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. a sack outlet that generates mana. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's a definitely. variety of interesting things you can do with coal. Mm -hmm. um, so really cool little tricky piece. I, I don't know what it will do. I guess it's also really good with uh, skull clamp, right? Yeah, you can skull clamp your uh, elf and pick it up. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> quite the card drawing engine with skull clamp. Hmm. <laughs> Next up, uh, we have In Search of Greatness. It's a green-green enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you can cast a permanent spell from your hand with converted mana cost equal to 1 plus the highest converted mana cost you control among other permanents you control without paying its mana cost, or you can scry one. So to break that down, you can always scry one, or you can cast something one bigger than your biggest thing. Except for this. This uh, this enchantment itself doesn't count. Yeah, that's slightly weird wording. I hadn't realised the enchantment itself didn't <laughs> count until I until you yeah. read it there. So, um, you play this on two. On turn three, you play a three drop, and sc you scry one from this and play a three. The next turn, you get to play a free four cost? Yeah, or on turn three, you play a free two cost, because you, maybe you've got a one drop in play already. Very true, very true. Um, and then you cast a three drop, and then next turn you get to play a four drop. Um, it it feels a little bit like um, uh, Aether Vial, except sure. you can't stop. Mm. Um, but if you've got nothing to do with it, it just scries. But like, mm -hmm. you can't get to three yeah, okay. and just be like, yep, threes are all I ever want to do. Um, so you can also look at cheaty things you can do with it you can look at cards like uh frogmite mirror enforcer that you yep you know you might be able to cheat out this four or seven cost yeah uh, that's right delve you, cards of course that's right if you can cheat out something like a, a tassiger then mm. on the following turn you can play i don't know it's elish norn seven mana yes that seems okay <laughs> <laughs> gurmag angler for free <laughs> yeah or, or you can play a gurmag angler and then follow it up with a gristlebrand for free <laughs> Um, yeah, that's right. So it's it's another one that I'm not sure what it will do. It it could see some play. Yeah, it's a nice little sort of uh, tempo engine. You know, you're you're getting mana for free. I think comparing it to Ether Vial is pretty accurate. Except this one's better later in the game than Ether Vial is. Yeah, because it doesn't have the problem of having to grind up for several turns. Yeah, it doesn't have to grind up as well as if your hand's empty. It's not blank. Yeah, yeah. Upkeep scry one, you know, it's not worth writing home about, but it's uh it's serviceable. Yeah. So our next one is uh Weathered Runestone. So it's a two mana artifact, and what it says is non land permanents uh, non land permanent cards in graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield, and players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries. So <laughs> Every couple of sets, they print a new 
artifact graveyard hate slash cheating things in hate card yeah. that does something slightly different than what the previous one did. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you might be playing a deck that this doesn't affect in any way, and maybe this is the card for you. Compare it to things like Soul Guide Lantern, which is a Relic of Progenitus that is slightly different, and, and some people will play that over Relic. Or, uh, what's the... Silent Gravestone, is that uh, another one that's coming to my mind? That here? sounds like a magic yeah. card. That's another yeah, from Rivals of Ixalan. that does some things and not other things. So maybe your deck is doing some things that this doesn't stop, and you're okay with that. And, yeah. and it stops things that you have to. So compared to Grafdigger's Cage, uh, it trades creature cards for non land permanents. Outside of that, it's functionally the same. Uh, Weathered Runestone, of course, costs two instead of one. Uh, you can get your Triad Arbor in, which you can't do under a Grafdigger's Cage, but is it worth it? Which one's better? That's going to depend on the situation. I'm probably going to lean towards Grafdigger's Cage myself, but Yeah, me. but this does stop, I mean, as we've talked about a number of times, like, you know, various <laughs> um, Snapcaster shenanigans which crafting mm-hmm. cage does not sure um, it stops snapcasters it stops uh tinker for non-creatures as well yeah. crafting yeah. cage stops tinkering for a, a large creature weathered runestone stops tinkering for say a, a bolus of citadel yeah or uh academy rector things and all of that sort of stuff yeah yeah so okay and next one is actually 10 cards Mm-hmm. Um, it's a series of tapped snow jewel lands. So these cards are exactly. I'll, I'll try and read them. So Snowfield Sinkhole is exactly like uh, Scrubland, except it comes into play tapped and is a snowland. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're really yeah. keen to pay extra snowlands, this is something you can look at. Yeah, it's a cycle um, of 10. Uh, it's. If you're looking to play extra snow lands, if you're looking for just more fetchable lands, they're, they're going to be worse than triomes if you've got no snow synergies. Uh, but some decks are just super color intensive and not looking to play on curve. Uh, this might be for you. Yeah. And of course, if you want, if, if snow matters for you, these are going to be quite good. They're fetchable versions of. A cycle from... Jeez, when was that cycle from? Uh, Ice Age? Invasion? Arctic Shelf is the one I'm thinking of. No, that card doesn't exist. Um, so they're, they're just... <laughs> coming Boreal to play Shelf. Jewels. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Boreal Shelf um, is from... Um, oh, no. Uh, it's from Cold Snap. Okay. Cold Snap. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was some in Ice Age, but nah, nah. I am incorrect. Uh, Ice Age contained the original Shocklands. No, not sure. Shocklands. Painlands. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Cool. Yeah. Well, that Boy, brings us to the, the last item on the list, I think. Yeah, so the last item on the list is there's a series of 10 lands which all follow <clears throat> basically the following pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> so they all come into play tapped. They all tap for mm-hmm. one colour of mana and they all have a moderately manner inten- colour-intensive ability that does something involving sacrificing them. Yeah, um, they all cost... Three coloured mana, so two of one, one of another, uh, and some amount of generic mana, and have a cool effect 
a uh, little bit overcosted, as you said. Uh, but I mean, that's the cost of being on a land, right? Yeah, I think one of them has no generic manner attached. It's the black white one that makes an angel. Is just oh, sure. I think it's wow, white white black. Make a four four. Make a Sarah angel. So um, you're right. That that seems actually quite good. That one does actually seem quite good. What's it? Yeah. Great Hall of Starnheim enters tap taps for black, and as you said, white white black tap sacrifice. Uh, oh, sacrifice its uh, itself and a creature you control to get a four four oh. uh, to get a Sarah Angel. I had not read that card very carefully. So apparently, you can upgrade your creature. Yeah. Okay. okay. Having to sacrifice a creature you control as well makes that a decent amount. A little, worse. Bit, little bit worse. Uh, I have played white black token decks before that might consider it, but entering tapped is a pretty big cost there. Yeah. Um, uh, so I as like an the example, white one. yeah. Gates of Istfel, um, enters tapped, produces white, and for two white, blue, blue, because uh, it's always double colour of the colour it doesn't produce, mm-hmm. yep. um, sacrifice Gates of Istfel, you gain two and draw two. Similar to Memorial of Genius, I want to say? Yeah, yeah, similar to Memorial of Genius. But it gains two life, which is always pretty sweet. Yeah, it's not nothing. Nice little tack on there. Uh, so what have we got? Gain two, draw two, search for an aura equipment, uh, create a clone of your creature, uh, half a lightning, make a Sarah Angel, destroy a land, get a 4-4 is pretty strong. Destroy a land, get a 4-4 uh, has an interesting property that I hadn't noticed that um, I think it was Lockie pointed out to me uh, the other day. It's the only one that happens at not sorcery speed. So all the rest of these oh. say... Uh, or most of the rest of these, I think, say, do this at sorcery speed if they can create a yeah, creature. Okay. Uh, actually, the like blue-black one doesn't either. Yeah. But yeah, so you can... Um, That's... Strip mine someone to... and get a 4-4, but it is costing you sort of 7 mana. Yeah, um, it's very rare for that to happen on a... Uh, on a, a destroyer land ability. Yeah. Typically, <laughs> if you're destroying lands, you're locked in at sorcery speed. Yeah, so it's a, a bit of an odd wording. Yeah, wow. Um, the the blue-black one is also, I think, quite good. So it's three blue-black-black, sacrifice port of Carfell, mill four cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Mm. Um, so importantly, it doesn't have to be one of the four cards you milled. It can be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, once you put the ability on the stack, they don't get to see what you mill before you... Um, trigger it so even if they remove mm-hmm. your whole graveyard in response you mm-hmm. get to mill four and maybe gristlebrand mm-hmm. i'll do you one better uh it's all one action of mill four then return a creature if you hit something like a eldrazi titan uh they will trigger to shuffle in but that won't happen till oh, after yeah, that's you've right. put a creature into play yeah that's right so you so get all the emeralds in the world <laughs> you could theoretically mill four one of them is an emerald put it into play then shuffle your graveyard in uh it's Going to take some finagling, especially with the mana cost on the land itself. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's doable. Um, so, yeah, I think most of those lands are interesting. I don't know how many of them are... I don't think any of them are format-defining, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm not sad about that. Uh, I don't know how many mm-hmm. of them are playable. Um, it might mm-hmm. be none, it might be several. Oh, actually, uh, the blue-red one is worth mentioning as well. Uh Sertland Frostpire enters tapped, adds uh, taps for red, two blue, blue, red, tap sacrifice, scry two, deal two to each creature. 
only as a sorcery. Yeah, I think that's too expensive for a pyroclasm. It's expensive, but it it's good, I think. If it was deal three, I think it would be quite worth talking about. But a deal sure. two, I think it's just a okay. bit a bit below where you want it to be. But you know, um, I could be entirely wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of people that enjoy playing blue red control decks, and it's true. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see this in a list somewhere at some time. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's exactly as you said, not a sort of format-defining card, but just a cool little tool that's uh, it might show up here and there. Which tends to be a lot of what I see when I look at this this uh, set. There's nothing yeah. insane. There's no Uro, there's no Underworld Breach, there's no Oko. But there's a lot of cool and good cards. Yeah, there really are. Um which is the kind of set that I, you know, like quite a lot because um, I don't enjoy having to spend time going. Yeah, I guess we have to point this card again. <laughs> that's um, right. That's right. You know, I really like the foretell mechanic as well. I think that's uh, a really powerful mechanic. Yeah, I think it's um, a lot more powerful than it at first looks. I agree. I am um, looking forward to playing quite a few foretell cards. Probably too many. <laughs> uh, that does sound like the uh, Jimbo experience. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of cards we didn't cover that are kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of sagas and sagas are cool. Although, uh, if by chance someone from Wizards is listening to this in that unlikely event, if you're going to make a mm. saga, it needs to actually tell a story. It can't just be do a thing, do a thing, do a thing. Like sure. That's yeah. That's not what a saga's about. I can think of uh, what was the the Yogmoths. There was a saga about uh, the exchange of uh, Gerard and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Jessica or something like that. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, that one definitely told a story that I could think of. Yeah, there's quite a few in Dominaria um, that do tell a good story. Um, I think perhaps I'm thinking of the legendary uh, sorcery. But no, no, there, there was... Still. There's an... Um... <laughs> there's actually quite a few sagas now. We're at... Uh, what is that? 44 sagas with these new ones. Yeah, well, and about half of them are in this set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few here. Oh, no, you, uh, I think you are thinking of um, the legendary thing. The Eldest Reborn is the one that's... Mm -hmm. That's I what was I'm thinking, thinking of. of. I think I'm not yeah. certain. Um, uh, but there's like twenty sagas in this set. That is a, a lot. And look, uh, it makes sense. The Norse are quite famous for their sagas, um, mm -hmm. and there's a couple of good sagas in here. But there's some where I, honest to God, couldn't tell you what the story is. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm excited. And, and I think the other thing that this set doesn't have that it really should have had. Um, is some bear shapeshifters because sure the the word berserk is from <laughs> Norse and it means you mm -hmm. know people who fight like they've turned into bears basically yeah yeah okay like it's just a complete free roll uh, law wise anyway <laughs> well let's get you into uh, R and D for the next <laughs> top down design set hey sure I'm in. <laughs>
<laughs> when are you available? We'll get you on the next flight. Yeah, I don't know if they actually pay well enough, but look. I also don't think they're flying people at the moment. No, no. Flying is <laughs> not uh, high on my list of priorities. Yeah. Um, and with that, our slightly disjointed, well, I mean, quite literally disjointed, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. episode is coming to a close. Um, as usual, if you want to support us, you can go to the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Highlandercast. Um, or you can, if you don't want to contribute uh, in that way, if you go on to iTunes or whatever your podcasting app of choice is and give us a review, that's also quite helpful in getting the word mm-hmm. out there. Um, there are... Oh, no, sorry, that was the other thing I wanted to say. Uh, as a reminder, cutting into my own end thing, um, there's a Moto tournament running at the moment, and there's going to be another one starting up soon. Um, yeah. The one running at the moment has first place an underground sea and entry fee zero dollars uh the one coming up uh is going to have a better prize than that that i don't think has been announced yet mm-hmm. um but also entry fee zero dollars uh yeah, we'll we're be... running it mostly through the discord people have been giving us feedback there's some uh room for improvement but i think it's run pretty well and i think people have mostly enjoyed it quite a lot Absolutely. plus you get to play we'll highlander be... with people from all over the world <laughs> we'll be pretty close to the uh, top eight when when you're listening to this episode, or, or yeah. at least the top eight might be in the past, depending when you're listening to it. Um, and hopefully, there's going to be recordings of some of that, and we'll give that a shout out next time. But anyway, so uh, as normal, the Patreon, blah blah blah, just talked about that. If you want to talk to us, um, the Discord is usually the best place. It's pretty active mm-hmm. these days, and I'll put a link in the notes below. Um, you can also join the Facebook group, uh, which is less active but still active. Um, mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Advancian Notions. Um, you can also find uh, the cast as uh, at the Highlander Cast on Twitter. Um, where can we find you if we're looking for you, Jimbo? Uh, I'm on Twitter as well uh, at Epic Eki E C K Y. Uh, I'm on Twitch from time to time as well, doing my own thing and doing Highlander points announcements and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I think the Highlander points announcement will be in the past when this comes out, but it depends uh, how excited I am about <laughs> editing it. And how annoying it is to edit. Well, they can tune into the next one, whether that's uh, the one in a couple of days from recording or uh, the one in a few months from recording. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so with that uh, rambling all done and almost certainly something important missed, um, I'm going to say goodbye before I just, you know, give up. So thanks for listening, everyone. Have fun. Thanks, Matt.